pony boy. I asked the nurse to give you this book so you could finish it. It's worth saving those little kids. Their lives are worth more than mine. They have more to live for. Tell Dolly I think it's worth it. And tell Dolly if he wants a good podcast to listen to, he can listen to Tudor Reviews podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, and... Sorry, let me stop fucking around, people. <laughs> I had to do... I had to goof off real quick and do an intro, but that just goes to show how much of... I want to say a good time, but I want to say just an overall impact this movie had on me. Um, and if you didn't know by already knowing what you're clicking on... Um, this is a review for The Outsiders, people, which came out in 1983. Now, again, I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, if people, excuse me, if people, um, you know, put me onto certain movies and they, they kind of beat me over the head with it, oh, it, you know, as time goes on over and over and over, if they just keep making suggestions, eventually, excuse me, eventually, I hope I'm not getting hiccups during this review. Eventually, I'll cave in and um, I'll get around to watching it. Uh, believe it or not, this is my first time ever seeing The Outsiders, people. I know people are just like, oh my God, he's never seen it. I've literally never seen it. I've made a watch list of movies I've never seen before. The Outsiders was always on it. The Warriors is also on there. Um, there's a couple films that are cult classics or just classics nonetheless, hailed movies that I've never seen before. But I gotta shout out my boy Christian once again, man, because this motherfucker, man, um, not only has he been telling me to watch the Warriors, but he's been telling me like, listen, bro, trust me, the Outsiders is a fucking classic. The cast is hitting the movies hitting. You're going to fucking love it. And this motherfucker hasn't let me down yet, man. So shout out to him and also shout out to the whole California, Los Angeles area, because that's that's where he resides at. But um, yeah, man, got to shout him out because I'm not going to lie to you, all man. I watched it last night. I was going to watch it again just now but i said nah I, I still have it it was that damn good of a film um that i still have it pretty fresh in my head and took a couple notes not as many notes as i would prefer to as far as a review goes but i took a couple notes just to point certain things out this is not going to be a really again it's not going to be one of those intricate breaking down characters and breaking down scenes type of reviews um i really don't think i've ever done that i think i've done that before with uh cherry falls and popcorn and ticks review y'all can check those out if y'all want certain reviews i really geek out over this one it's not that I don't want to geek out over it. It's just that I don't want to, you know, I'm trying to get some type of time constraints on certain episodes because I know a lot of people don't have the, the time nor the attention span to listen to me fanboy out and rant over movies for over an hour, um, maybe an hour and a half to two hours at times. I don't know. But nonetheless, man, like I said, The Outsiders, 1983, I watched this movie last night, straight run through and I'm not going to lie to y'all, I was not disappointed, uh, whether this movie is a time capsule, bottle, you know, lightning in a bottle type of film, period, piece, uh, you know, product of his time, doesn't matter. This movie's fucking awesome, man, um, and I wish I would have watched this sooner because this fucking, I will get to the cast in a second. First of all, let me just say, this film is, uh, was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and I hope I'm saying his last name uh, right, I always feel like I'm saying it wrong, but... Uh, for the uninitiated, this guy is a fucking heavyweight, man, and we will get into why he is a heavyweight uh, right now, actually. He is the director of not only The Godfather, but The Godfather 2 and 3. 
I'm really ashamed to say I've only recently in like the last year and a half, two years or so, I just saw The Godfather 1 for the first time. I still haven't watched the next two films. I will. I promise y'all. I hope I didn't lose any listeners. I hope y'all didn't tune this off, turn it off, whatever. But he is uh, Francis Ford Coppola is the director of The Godfather trilogy. He directed Apocalypse Now. And then if I'm not mistaken, after Apocalypse Now, which came after the Godfather trilogy, he directed The Outsiders. He also directed Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is a movie that I have to go back on and really give it another full run through and try to appreciate it because it was a movie I saw as a kid. And I feel like as far as, you know, I always, always loved the idea of filmmaking and just the ins and outs and the nooks and crannies of filmmaking and just writing and characters and set designs and just the shit that makes film tick. I I knew about it as a kid, but as I got older, it's like, I feel like Bram Stoker's Dracula is a movie that I definitely have to go back on and watch it straight run through maybe commentary maybe not i'd probably prefer commentary but um this movie was also written by kathleen rawell who wrote one of my favorite you know one of my most underrated thrillers ever man and i can't find it anywhere i can't find it on tubi netflix on demand peacock pluto tv can't find the shit nowhere hear no evil and um i can't even find it online you know on all these websites that got all these fucking movies and shit that you know what i'm saying i can't find this movie anywhere but she kathleen rawell shout out to her and shout out to Francis Ford Coppola, but she wrote Here No Evil, man. It's one of my favorite movies. I recommend y'all check it out. It's one of those films that um, plays on the senses. It's basically like the template for a movie like, um, what is it called? Hush, where the girl is deaf and there's a killer hunting her down type of thing because the woman is deaf in that film. But the thing is, the funny thing about The Outsiders, uh, before I actually watched this movie, I didn't know that it was based on a novel. Uh, same title and everything. It's called The Outsiders. It was ba- um, based off a novel by uh, S.E. Hinton, who I think has a cameo in the film in one of the hospital sequences, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Now, first of all, let's jump into this cast, man. This cast for this movie is fucking loaded, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, I would like, you know, when I watched it on demand, you know, I, I watched it on demand, and of course I'm going to go to the movie info because I want to see who's in it. I want to see who's who produced it and all that type stuff. So I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, I forgot he's in it. Oh, shit, he's in it? I didn't even know she was in it, and he was in it. Damn, I didn't know he... Like, I'm literally geeking out, man, because this cast is amazing. And this cast, it was 1983. You know what I'm saying? This was literally one of those, quote-unquote, before they were stars movies man and you've got so many heavy hitters that had so many amazing careers in this film man first of all you've got c thomas howell who plays pony boy the lead character he was in of course i don't know if people remember he was one of the one of the kids uh you know uh one of um what was his name michael the elliot's brother he was one of his friends you know he was one of the kids on the bicycles at the end of et and he was also most probably notoriously known for the hitcher he was you know starring alongside rucker howard and he's a great actor man but i didn't know he was so young in this film man i didn't know he was in this ralph macchio who i it slipped my mind either or i just did not know he was in this film it was a fucking pleasant surprise to see a young ralph macchio um pre karate kid if i want to say but we know he's from karate kid and um most recently cobra kai which is amazing definitely i definitely recommend cobra kai to anybody who's a fan of that um karate kid original trilogy but uh ralph macchio plays johnny here we've got a young matt Dillon who plays dallas aka dolly you know we know him from wild things and shit like that he 
you know, he's good at playing an asshole, which he does here. And I think this is kind of like the birth of asshole Matt Dillon. I don't know. Maybe I have to go back and watch a couple movies of his. But for me, as far back as I can remember, this is the birth of asshole Matt Dillon, because that is exactly what he is. But he rocks out for his, you know, for his crew in this movie. You've got Emilio Estevez in this movie playing two bit. Now, we know him. Gordon Bombay. Come on now. Gordon Bombay. And if you don't like Gordon Bombay and the Mighty Ducks, then whatever. Judgment Night, you know, Young Guns, whatever the case may be, man. Um, even if you like the movie Men at Work with Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez is in the house, people. Patrick Swayze, the late great. Rest in peace to him. We know Sam Wheat from Ghost, but he plays Derry here who is um, Ponyboy's brother. Rob Lowe plays Soda Pop. Uh, Rob Lowe is also the brother of Patrick Swayze and C. Thomas Howell's character. And we know Rob Lowe from Wayne's World and a whole bunch of other stuff. But I, I always think of him as... um, I uh, can't remember his name in Wayne's World, but he's in this. Tom Cruise! People is in this fucking movie. He plays a character named Steve. And if we don't know Tom Cruise, we know. Mission Impossible, say no more. That's it. And, you know, I'm not going to get all into the rest of the cast but the last cast member who i i literally did not know was in this film diane lane man in her prime plays cherry uh if nobody knows her as anything we know her as motherfucking martha kent and this cast people this this is how we know francis ford coppola this motherfucker knows not only filmmaking this guy knows casting, man. Um, he knew that there was something in each and every one of these cast members because you don't just get them. You don't just get a movie where you have C. Thomas Howell, Ralph Macchio, Matt Dillon, Emilio Estevez, Patrick Swayze, Wob Woblo. Am I? You know what? We're not even gonna go there. But all these cast members, man. You don't just throw these cast members in thinking that it's going to be a one-off deal. You literally, he literally probably saw something in each and every cast member. He's like, you know what? They're going to be stars at the end of the day, which they were. Each and every one of the people I just named literally had an amazing career in Hollywood. And I think that is amazing that they were in this, this film in 1983 that a lot of people, including myself, didn't even know about, man. Now, like I said, I'm not going to get into the nooks and crannies of it and break it down as much as I should. But the plot basically is, you know, it takes place, if, if I'm not mistaken, in the 1960s in Oklahoma. And the meat and potatoes of this thing is really you've got your greasers on one side of the town and you've got your socials on one side of the town. Now, greasers, they're basically, you know, the ones that got the slick back hair. They're not necessarily hooligans, but they are very rowdy and uh, not really obnoxious, but the, a, a select few of them can be. And what separates them from the socials is the socials, even though they're assholes and they get drunk and they cause a ruckus and they're a little more violent than the than the uh, greasers, maybe at times we see that in the film, the socials cover it up a little better because, you know, they're very preppy. They're like those fucking kids in disturbing behavior. You know, when they get the when they get the disturbed behavior and they get the change in their behavior and they start dressing like they're on the fucking varsity uh, you know, football team preppy jackets and all that type of shit, slacks and hot. Like, that's how the socials dress. But it's basically yin and yang, good versus evil. But as the movie goes on, it makes you think like, well, who are the real bad guys here? Who's doing the real damage? You know what I'm saying? So does the plot work? Absolutely. I love the fucking plot of this movie. Um, I love that you've got the yin and the yang. I love that you've got the greasers versus the socials. I love that they literally can't stand each other. And one of the fun facts about this movie is that Francis Ford Coppola, for the actors playing the socials, 
he had them, you know, he handed them scripts with leather bound covers and he had them stay in nice hotel rooms, but he handed the characters playing the greasers, you know, run down rugged ass scripts and he wanted them to stay in, you know, shitty rooms and stuff like that. Whatever the case may be, he literally wanted the tension to be natural on set. He wanted these two groups of people that these two gangs rather that we see in the movie to not be able to stand each other, man. And I think that is method filmmaking right there. It's a little extreme, but I love it. And for the most part, for me, even for a 1983 film, it works, man. Everything works as far as the plot goes. And, um, Really what you have here with the plot, you know, there's 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 conflict and there's resolution as every story and film should have. Basically, you have um, C. Thomas Howell's character, Ponyboy. He's really he's a greaser, but he's the one with the heart of gold. He's the one that stands out. You know, Cherry Diane Lane's character kind of sees she's you know, she sees him for what he is. She's like, you know, you're not like your friends. What are you doing hanging out with those guys? But he's still the kid at the end of the day. That's like, listen. I'm a greaser, but listen, those are my friends. You know, don't talk about my friends like that. They ain't so bad. And, you know, she kind of backs off like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. But she people see something in Ponyboy that they don't see in Johnny, per se, or Dolly, per se, or 2-Bit. You know what I'm saying? But what happens is, you know, you, you got these kids at the drive through and we see pony boy johnny and dolly dolly like i said matt dylan this is this establishes him as an asshole as far as i'm concerned because he's kicking his feet up and you know next to diane lane and her friend at the drive-thru and he's just like are you a real redhead and i didn't know that was where they put that then i didn't know that was where they got that line from in rob zombies halloween 2 where malcolm mcdowell's taking a, a picture at loomis's um you know, book signing. He's taking a picture next to that girl and he's like, he whispers in her ear, he's like, are you a real redhead? I didn't know that this was a reference and that just goes to show that there's a lot of quotables from this movie which hails it, uh, you know, I understand why it's hailed as a classic. But basically they're at the drive-thru, not really causing a ruckus per se, but they're just being annoying to the girls that are there. And you see Emilio Estevez is too big. He's fucking wild from the rip. He's flipping skirts. He's like, hey, honey, you want to see what's really hanging? Like, yo, man, I swear to God, Emilio Estevez is a fucking piece of gold in this movie, man, if I ever seen one. This is like easily one of my, I mean, yes, it is very creepy what he's doing. But that's what greasers did back then. I'm not saying I condone it. Uh, aside from what he did, like lifting the girl's skirt. He's a fucking rider, man. Like that dude, uh, you know, Emilio Estevez is the 1960s version of the guy that you want to have on the team today. If you call him up, you know, he's the Jeremy Renner of um of of the squad in the town where Ben Affleck's like, listen, I need you to do something for me. Yeah, I can't I can't tell you what we're doing. I can't tell you who it is, but we're going to hurt some people. <laughs> and Jeremy Renner is just like, whose car are we going to take? And you know what I'm saying? That that is literally Emilio Estevez's character, man. He is with the shits throughout this movie. So what happens is you know, Cherry and her friend, they leave with, uh, you know, C. Thomas Howell and Emilio Estevez and the gang. And basically, um, you know, the, the socials pull up and they're like, they're drunk as fuck. And that's what led, you know, Cherry and her girlfriend away from them because they were drunk as shit, being obnoxious at the drive through. So they ended up, you know, with the with the greasers. So they're walking through this little, you know, this this lot and they're having they're enjoying their time there there's a there's a nice little dialogue between diane lane and c thomas howell they're getting to know each other so the socials pull up and they're just like yeah you guys think you can just walk off with our women and blah 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 and what kind of pissed me off with this scene is that diane lane is a big ass pushover in this scene she's a big ass pushover and she tells pony boy she's like listen i gotta run off with them i'm sorry 
if I see you in school and I don't talk, please don't feel some type of way. And I would have been like, bitch, fuck you. Like, if you see me and don't speak, keep that same motherfucking energy. I just put up a post on Instagram where it's like, you remember how you overlooked me? Keep that same energy. You know, no backseas. Fuck all that. If you don't want to speak to me, cool. But she's a pushover and she runs along with the, the, the badass guy with the car, the preppy dude, as lots of women do. I don't know why they like these fucking clowns, but they do. It's just, it's, it's. It's uh, art imitating life at the end of the day, but that's neither here nor there. So what happens is, you know, um, Pony Boy and Johnny dip off and they go to the park. They are really Pony Boy and Johnny. They establish their their uh, their buddy type of relationship, their best friendship, their brotherhood. At the end of the day, they establish that very early on, man. And you see they're down for each other, man. They have a certain type of. Um, interaction that none of the other characters have with each other and i love the the chemistry between c thomas howell and ralph macchio as pony boy and johnny and rumor has it that they didn't really get along too much on set because i think c thomas howell was a teenager when he filmed this and ralph macchio was actually like 20 or so and i i didn't know he was that old but they they said that c thomas howell thought that ralph macchio was a little too professional and he wanted to really get into the movie but again yin and yang type of thing going on and it worked perfectly in their favor so what happens is pony boy and johnny they they run off and they go to the park just to dip off and chill and smoke cigarettes and what happens is the socials come back up on them they're drunk as fuck you know somebody gets their face spit in after somebody gets liquor poured on them and then the socials you know they 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 kick and fuck up uh you know johnny and they're like stay down kid and they literally try to drown pony boy so it's like Again, who are the bad guys, the greasers or the socials? They try to fucking murder this kid in a fucking pond in the park. They literally, or a fountain rather. It's not a pond, it's a fountain. So they're drowning Pony Boy in this fountain. So we cut to this scene and then next thing you know, and again, this is another rider you got on your hands. Ralph Macchio as Johnny is the one you need on the team. He's the one that's going to be like, listen, get the fuck out of here. I'm the one that, you know, I'm the one that did this. I'm going to take the blame for what I did or I'll even take the blame for you get out of here we don't need no trace of you type of shit but they rock out together but what happens is johnny literally saves pony boy from getting drowned and he ends up killing stabbing one of the socials to death and they know what this means they know what this means they they run to matt dylan for help and matt dylan's like do you motherfuckers know what you just did like pretty he doesn't say it in those exact words but that's basically the that's the basis of what it is like yo you know what you motherfuckers just did Y'all, you know you started a war, right? And I love, one of the things that I love is that it's a beef going on and they know it's a war coming. They know it's a rumble coming. Not even a war, it's a fight. It's a fisticuffs, an old school, let's throw some hands, let's knuckle up, ain't no burners, ain't none of that crazy shit involved. Yeah, there's a couple knives here and there. Emilio Estevez, he breaks a bottle over the gate and pulls out a knife when they run up and take the girls. Yeah, um, you know, Johnny takes out a knife and stabs one of the socials yeah it's, it's knives involved but they're greasers but for the most part it's an old school old-fashioned yo we'll settle this saturday and another group is like saturday bet and then both teams just walk away. like i love the old school aspect of this film man and really quick let me just jump into this um about the characters um two bit is my favorite character emilio estevez hands down this is this is one of the best characters i've ever seen him play my least favorite character in this movie, I hate to say it, man, as much as he was riding for his team, is Dolly. Uh, Matt Dillon's character, Dallas. Uh, Dolly is just, uh, he's hes such a fucking asshole. And, his, you know, ultimately, his fate could have been avoided. 
could have been avoided, man. But, you know, those are my favorite and least favorite characters. But what I love is that when shit hits the fan and after Johnny kills one of the socials and we know that people are looking for him, not only the socials, but the police. I love that this turns into a movie that kind of packs an on the run hideout road trip type of vibe and it sails by doing that 100% because it turns into this buddy film as far as Ponyboy and Johnny are concerned you know um they run the dolly and first of all we we do see uh Patrick Swayze and Rob Lowe see Thomas Howell you know uh, before shit hits the fan he he um he runs he, he he runs and you know he runs home and uh we see that he doesn't have the best relationship with uh patrick swayze's character Derry or rob lowe's character soda pop but soda pop is the more forgiving uh sibling but patrick swayze you know he fucks he fucks pony boy up early on in the movie but that's because you know he he you know he has his gripes with his little brother always getting into trouble and you know their parents died and it's kind of this dysfunctional sibling rivalry type of thing going on but it's really tough love at the end of the day because you see that play out as the movie goes on but i do love the dynamic like how it turns into a buddy film because dally basically they run to him for help and he puts um he puts johnny and pony boy inside of this like this church which is which basically becomes their safe haven and again i love that it's like a buddy film and they're on the run and it's it's basically their journey over the next couple of days or however much time passes by because they've literally got to stock up on food they get a shit ton of bread and bologna and peanut butter and stuff to just you know hold themselves over when they're sleeping you know they're fucking freezing cold and there's like possums and raccoons and stuff and owls flying in and out uh, flying in and out of the church and you know there's a scene where i think pony boy's like johnny are you awake there's a monster outside but it's literally like a fucking raccoon that's climbing outside of the church window but i love it man and i love the scene where johnny like i said he comes back with 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 you know his stock and he's like here's some bologna to last us for two weeks here's some bread here's some peanut butter and then pony boy picks up some of the supplies he's like peroxide what's this for and he kind of knows what it is because he's then you know johnny's like listen man we're gonna be on the run we gotta we gotta bleach your hair and i'm gonna wash the grease out mine man we gotta cut our hair man and i love that ralph macchio's got that fucking if y'all couldn't tell like my really bad imitation of his voice in the beginning of the episode ralph macchio's kind of got a southern draw to his character but it adds to the character man it makes it really memorable and um you know one of the things that he also gets uh pony boy when he goes out and does a shop and stocks up for them you know for them for their safe haven he gets them a copy of gone with the wind and it it really goes to show just how how much of best friends these two guys really are because he's like pony boy's like how'd you know i like going with the wind and he's like hey man i remember you saying once you liked the book man so i went and got it for you You can read it out loud when you know when it get dark and shit when we getting high like he doesn't say all of that shit but i'm just saying and i love the scene where you know, Pony Boy is against it, but uh, Johnny basically is like, listen, man, they're going to be looking for you. And he's like, anyway, if you get caught, what's the first fucking thing they're going to make you do is they're going to make you cut your hair if you get locked up. So he bleaches uh, Pony Boy's hair, but he cuts it. I love the scene where he's cutting it with just a straight up uh, switchblade. Then, you know, they alternate. Uh, Johnny sits down and he's like, look, man, he's like, just have your fun and do my hair, man. And then they, you know, it's it's a really good scene, man. And something about the greasers, I got to say here they're wild as shit the greasers are wild as shit they're hyperactive they are about that life man but again that is one of the reasons why they are the outsiders i think one of the uh you know the tagline for it it was like they weren't from around there they 
they they were they were just looking for their place or something like that. I really can't remember what it was exactly, but I love the I love the tagline that's on the front cover of that film. But the greasers are wild as fuck. And as far as the socials go, as far as the yin and yang shit, they're wild too. They're violent as well, but they're more laid back conservative. Their surface material is a lot better. So, you know, if cops were to ride past a group of greasers, they're going to fuck with them. If cops were to ride past the socials, they're not going to fuck with them be simply because they look the part. But, you know, judging a book by its cover is something that this movie, uh, one of the undertones that it also has to it, man. Now, um... Another scene that I want to talk about, because like I said, I'm not going to break down every scene and I don't want to take up too much time doing this review. One of the scenes I love in this film is when Ponyboy, Johnny and Dolly and um, no, 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 no. I don't I don't know if Dolly's there or I don't know if 2-Bit is there. I know 2-Bit is definitely there, but I can't remember if Dolly's actually in the scene. But um, what happens is they run into the socials and the main guy who was starting shit. You know, I think it was Cherry's boyfriend or whatever, lack thereof. The one that was starting shit is like, yeah, I just want to talk to him. And he calls over, you know, he calls over um, Pony Boy and they sit in the car and they have a conversation. And he's like, first of all, I fucked up uh, because I just completely left out the scene where they had that, uh, you know, where they had that that church fire scene. There is a scene where they have this um, this big ass church fire and. What happens is Dolly, Pony Boy, and Johnny are riding past, and this church is on fire with these kids coming out of it. And apparently, there's some kids left inside. So, you know, Pony Boy jumps out the car, tops down. Johnny runs after him. Dolly runs after him. But what happens is they all make it out. You know, they save the kids, but Johnny gets fucked up, man. I'm talking like he is almost like he's not Liam Neeson, Dark Man status. But he's fucked up to the point where he is not doing well at all. But after that scene, there is a scene where, like I said, they run into them. You know, they run into the greasers. The socials run into the greasers. And they're like, we just want to talk to Johnny. The main guy's in the car talking to Johnny. And he's judging. A, he's not judging a book by his cover. But he's like, yeah, I never pictured a greaser, you know, to save those kids. It's really dope what you did. And they end up shaking hands. And they have this moment. But at the end of the day, they still know no moves can be made on anybody until the night of the fight and i love that it is it's almost like this honor amongst gangs honor amongst thieves it's the rumble rule i absolutely adore that about the film because you've got a lot of movies that involve gangs where there are no holds barred no rules and you know to have something like that at the time is just amazing man because i almost can damn well guarantee if someone were to knock on wood, I really hope that they don't. And normally I would be like, well, it'd be interesting to see what they would do with a, with a remake. Nah, fuck that. I don't want them to ever touch or remake this movie. I know there's a sequel, but um, not even going to get into that. But I love that it, there's honor amongst gangs and there are certain rules to follow and nobody can touch nobody, but they still taunt each other. You know what I'm saying? Emilio Estevez, while while uh, Ponyboy's talking to the, the leader of the, 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 the socials, Emilio Estevez is taunting these motherfuckers like, yo, go ahead and talk to him, man. I'm going to be right here waiting for the shits to pop off. But basically, um, you know, what happens is there is a, you know, there's this hospital scene with with Johnny and, 
you know, Johnny and Pony Boy are hailed heroes. First, they're he they're hailed, uh, you know, criminals, but now they're hailed heroes in the paper. And Johnny is barely even able to speak at this point. And Two Bit is also in the hospital with them, and he's like, you know, he's like, could you go get me a book, man? And it's fucked up, man, because Ralph Macchio is selling it, and his body's all burnt up. His neck burns are really fucking bad. It made me like never want to get like burnt by like grease or just uh, iron or anything in my life ever again. But, you know, he asked them for a book, you know, but it's fucked up because he's literally he's on his stomach and he's like got this opening where his face is at. He's on a gurney in the hospital room, but he's on his stomach because he can't lay on his back at the moment because of his burns. It's a really fucked up scene. But, you know, what this does is this fuels everybody to get ready for the fight. And what it does is it fuels Matt Dillon more than anybody. He grabs a knife in one of the hospital scenes and he's like, go do this for Johnny, man. Johnny, man, we're going to get those guys. We're going to get those socials. And it's just like, Matt Dillon, like, calm the fuck down. You're going to be a creepy-ass dude in Wild Things later on if you live long enough. But we know in this movie, spoiler alert, as if y'all didn't know, that he does not live long enough to be a character in another movie. Now, I don't know if they changed that from the novel. Like I said, I've never read the book. But, um, you know, they get ready for the fight. Patrick Swayze's back in the mix and Rob Lowe's in the mix. Tom Cruise is in the mix. I haven't really talked much about Tom Cruise in this movie, but I Tom Cruise is just, you know, there's a scene where he's just eating cake, eating chocolate cake. He's got it smeared all over his fucking face. I love this cast, man. I can't really say any more about it, but. You know, there again, I love that there are no weapons with this fight. It's a flat out Donnie Brook, as they say, fisticuffs, man. And the only person that has a gun is Dolly, if I'm not mistaken. And it's only for show. It's only for intimidation. You know, he's not going to use it or anything like that. But fuck all the bullshit, man, because I really don't want to waste too much time talking about it. The fight sequence. I'm not going to lie, man, for this to be a movie that came out in 1983. I was expecting this to not be the best choreographed fight, but literally this is one of the things I look forward to when I go back and watch this movie. Y'all ever watch a movie um, like, let's say, uh, I know a lot of people don't like Ghost of Mars, but I'll put that as example. I don't give a shit. Ghost of Mars, Cobra Kai, um, anything with big ass fight sequences, you know, maybe even Avengers Endgame for, you know, for neutral parties sake. I want to go back and watch this movie and in particular watch the fight scene at the end because there's I can almost guarantee I will see something different every single time I watch that fight scene. They get it the fuck in, man. When I'm saying don't think this is just a cheesy, you know, early 80s movie and the fight scene ain't going to be hitting for nothing. Yeah, there's some punches that you see they swing and they don't necessarily land because they got to play it safe for choreography, stunt purposes and insurance purposes. Nobody wants to get injured. But for the most part. This shit is brutal, man. They are getting fucked up. I'm talking people are landing punches. They're slamming people over. They're flipping people over. This shit cemented Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt, if you ask me, because Tom Cruise shines in this scene. He's fucking shit up. He's, he flips somebody over when I'm thinking he's going to get knocked out. Somebody gets their face smashed multiple times into the, into the mud because it starts raining literally as they start fighting. So somebody gets their face smashed into the into the mud and it remind it reminded me of when Betsy Palmer was smashing Adrian King's head into the into the ground in uh the first Friday the 13th movie. But the fight scene is dope as shit, man. Like everybody's getting it in. And at some point, I'm not going to lie, man. I, of course I'm rooting for the greasers cuz that's who we're following throughout the entire movie, but at some point I'm not going to lie, man. I'm like, yo, 
I don't know, man. Are we outnumbered? They pulled up in cars. We came up on foot. Like, huh, what's going on? Are we going to walk away from this victorious? But at the end, man, the greasers fucking win. And I'm, I'm literally finding myself cheering, not only as the fight was going on, but after it was over. You know, I I love the and the fact that they cheered and all like kind of celebrated, but they had to scatter at the end of the day. But the Greasers come out victorious, man, and I love that fight sequence, man. I don't think you know that might arguably be one of the best fight sequences of the '80s. You know, as far as big ass brawls and uh you know free for all Royal Rumble type of shit goes, that might be one of them, man. That actually might be inspiration for an episode best you know, brawls, fight sequences of the 80s. That is definitely one of them. No question about it, man. I, this is one of the reasons I, I guarantee you that the payoff is sweet. You know, there's there's not a real big tension buildup between the greasers and the socials because it's the movie's so character-driven and it's so much about, you know, just the journey and the hiding out of Johnny and Pony Boy. But when the shit hits the fan, it hits the fan, man, and they get it the fuck in and they get it in well. Trust me, I, I'm telling y'all, man, it's it's a it's a decent fight scene. is is so well choreographed, man. It's good, but you know, Pony Boy really ain't no rumbler, man. He gets fucked up. So what happens is Dolly, you know, he drives him to the hot. Uh, he's like driving him to. Um, Oh, he's just driving him away, basically. They carry his ass away. So a cop, a motorcycle cop, pulls up on Dolly and uh, Pony Boy, and he's just like, yo, act like, he's like, act sick, act like I'm taking you to the hospital. So the cop comes up, he's like, man, you better have a damn good reason you're going a 1,000 miles per hour in a two-mile lane or some shit. And he's just like, look, man, the kid fell off his bike, man, I'm taking him to the hospital. And he's like, well, how sick is he? How, how bad is he? He's like, man, I look like a fucking doctor. I don't know. So the cop, he literally finesses the cop. And I love that Dolly's like, sucker. And then they just drive off at the end of the day. But the fucked up part after that, man, even though the greasers are victorious, they get back to the hospital to tell Johnny boy, you know, yo, we won. We beat the socials, man. We did it. We did it for you. And, you know, Johnny, he's in bad shape, man. He's finally, he's finally laying on his back. And he's really the worst that we've ever seen him in the in the hospital scenes, man. And you already know what's about to happen. I pretty much knew what was about to happen. But then when he calls Ponyboy over to him and Ponyboy kind of like leans closer to his face, he's like, he tells him, stay golden, Ponyboy. You know, he tells him, stay golden. And you know he's checking out at that point. So Johnny dies, man. And Ralph Macchio sells it. And it's a really, really sad fucking scene because I kind of knew... He was going to die, but there was still that glimmer of hope. Like, okay, he'll make it out. He just might not be able to walk again. Like he said in the scene where he was talking to his friends, he's like, I ain't going to never walk again. You know what I'm saying? But he does die, man. And it does hit really hard because you, you spent the entire movie with these characters and Johnny was one of them. But you know, somebody has got to go in movies like this, man. It's got to be motivation for the story to go along, I guess, in some ways. But I feel like the story was kind of over once they beat the socials, but obviously not because Dolly loses his shit when Johnny dies, man. You know, he's talking to him and he calls him a punk or a coward, whatever he calls him, because he's like, you know, you died on me. Fuck out of here type of stuff. And this is what pisses me off, man. This is why Dallas is my least favorite character in this movie, because it's like Johnny just died. I know you're an asshole. I know you're a loose cannon. You're probably a little older than everybody. Like, it doesn't matter, man. He goes and robs a fucking store with the gun. Doesn't fire nothing off, but the, the store owner sure enough fires at him when he's running out. And he doesn't even have his car. He's on foot. 
He's on foot, man, and I think he gets shot because he goes to a payphone and he calls up, you know, Patrick Swayze, and he's like, "Look, man," he's like, "Can you meet me at the park? I just robbed, I just robbed this place, man, and the cops are coming for me." And they're like, "Listen, man, are you okay?" And Pat, you know, Patrick Swayze's asking him, "Is he okay?" He's like, "No, man." He's like, "I need y'all to meet me at the park." He's like, "Listen, man, we'll be right there. Like, just make sure you're there." But he's bleeding, you know, when he when, you know, uh, Matt Dillon runs away from the payphone, he's bleeding. But the cops literally are closing in on his ass like fucking Rod Lane and Nightmare on Elm Street. And he's literally just running on foot. And that's why I make the comparison to Rod Lane, because when they show that shot of him running down the street with his jacket on, it literally reminds me of when Rod Lane was running um, with no shoes on from the cops. And, you know, in the wee hours of the morning when he tried to j run out on Nancy. But he runs out and he, he ends up getting chased by the cops, but he gets shot and killed, man. He literally gets shot and killed as Patrick Swayze and them are running up to the park, man. And it's just such a fun. I'm like, yo, I'm not going to lie. It was a kind of cheesy death scene the way Matt Dillon, because there's a shot where Matt Dillon's crawling on the ground after he gets shot the fuck up. And he kind of puts his hand in front of his face and he's like, I don't know if he's trying not to laugh or he's trying to fix his hair, but he does this really weird hand movement in front of his face. But then when he rolls over, he's dead. And, you know, it's fucked. What makes it even more fucked up is that, you know, they're yelling at the cops like, stop, he's just a kid. But the cops still hit his ass up and um, he dies, man. So not only do you get one casualty with the greasers, you get two. You know what I'm saying? Uh, at, at the hands of two different fates. And it's a, it's a really sad ending, man. But basically, excuse me. Uh, what happens is, you know, after that, it's this really, you know, it's a sad ending because Ponyboy opens up the, you know, the Going With The Wind book. And then he's, he has that, that letter inside of there. And that's, you know, that's what I was kind of poking fun. It's a really good scene. It's a good ending. But that's what I was poking fun of in the beginning where he's like, Ponyboy, you know, I asked the nurse to, to, to give you this book so you can finish it and this, that, and the other. And Ponyboy reads the, the letter, the last letter that Johnny writes to him. And it's a really, they show Ralph Macchio, like, on the side of the screen, uh, narrating the letter. But um, it, it, it makes the shit even more sad. And then right after that, uh, Ponyboy just starts writing a letter of his own, and the movie basically uh, goes off at that point. Now, like I said, there is a sequel to this. Uh, I, I really am so instantly attached to this movie, man, uh, that I really don't have any intentions on watching the sequel. I don't want to fuck up anything as far as the story goes. I don't feel like there's any story left to go on. I don't know. Maybe one day the curiosity will kill the cat, and I might just you know, fold and cave in and, and watch the, you know, the sequel to this. I think it was David Arquette's first movie also, if I'm not mistaken, the sequel to The Outsiders. But I, I don't know. This movie is just such a, I see why people call this movie a classic, man. I'm not even going to hold up on that. And with that being said, I give this movie a 9 out of 10. Now, the only reason I don't give it a 10 out of 10 uh, probably because there are some really stupid ass moments. Uh, and, and I know it's a 1983 movie. It is still a fucking awesome movie, but there's some moments where the character, you know, I was just, I was talking to the screen and I'm telling characters to not do certain things or do this and not do that or do that and not do this type of thing. And anytime I'm doing that, it takes, it, it doesn't take away from the experience because it gets me invested and you can tell I'm invested in the characters and the story at that point. I give a fuck what happens to them in here. But there are just certain moments where the characters do certain things that I just, I just don't agree with. Matt Dillon's character being one of them. Like, the end of the movie, after somebody dies and you go rob a store, you know it's not going to end well for Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon don't have no problem dying in movies as is. Like I said, wild things. He, he was a creep in that joint, so he died. But 
nonetheless, man, uh, that's not to say that this wasn't an awesome movie. For God's sakes, I gave it a 9 out of 10, which is um, kind of rare for movies that came out around this time, per se. I do appreciate the classics, but when people refer the classics to me, whether they be from the 60s, whether they be from the 70s, the 80s, anything before the 90s that people refer to me, I don't always take a liking to them. You know what I'm saying? And um, I've really... I'm glad I didn't read the book because had I read the book and been attached to it, I mean, the book is always better for one. I always say that, uh, for example, Dean Koontz Phantoms, when it came out in 97, I think, 97, 98, um, I saw the movie first and then I read back, I, I went back and read the book. And I even after seeing the movie, I love that movie. I think it's an underrated sci-fi horror movie. But after reading Dean Koontz's Phantoms novel, I'm like, this book is way fucking better, and there's a lot of stuff they could have incorporated in this movie and took a lot of stuff out of the film. But I'm glad, because I'm so attached to this movie already after just watching it last night, I'm glad I didn't read the novel because had I been attached to the novel more and they would have not included certain things, I wouldn't have liked the movie as much as I did. So, But I will read the novel eventually, man, because I, I, I love this just this property overall man and uh big shout out to francis ford coppola man and shout out to kathleen rawell shout out to se hinton for you know um first of all i meant to say kathleen rawell for writing the script and se hinton for writing the novel shout out to them and again this cast man like i said francis ford coppola is a man that knows what he's doing on screen one of the reasons why i definitely have to finish watching uh or actually have to finish or actually have to start you know, The Godfather 2 and 3, and go back and watch, I meant to say, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Apocalypse Now, I really don't remember it, but I remember the cast being amazing as well. Um, this guy is a guy that knows stars. He knows either you are a star in the making, or you're already a star, but I'm going to make you an even bigger one. Like, I mean, come on now, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I, f I forget Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, and Gary Oldman are even still in that shit, and Anthony Hopkins. Like, the movie's awesome, man. It's awesome. Wait, was Anthony Hopkins in Bram Stoker's Dracula? Or was he in The Wolfman? I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I really want to say Anthony Hopkins was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. But anyway, yeah, man, this like 9 out of 10, man. And if I could recommend the film The Outsiders to anybody, I absolutely positively would, man. Especially if you are a fan of C. Thomas Howell. If you're a fan of Ralph Macchio, Matt Dillon, Emilio Estevez, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise, Diane Lane. If you want to see them before they were quote-unquote stars, then watch this movie. You're not going to get, you know, Ethan Hunt and uh, uh, Martha Kent and all these mother, you know, and Sam Wheat, all these people. You're not going to get them right away, but you can kind of see how they were going to turn into these big name actors, man, because everybody brought something here. I don't think there was really a dry seat in the house as far as, um, you know, the actors that I named. Everybody played their role perfectly, man, and I really have no regrets as far as watching this movie, man. I'm glad that I, I watched it again. Shout out to my man Christian for even telling me about this shit ages ago. I should have been on it ages ago, and I should have done a review and started this podcast ages ago. But y'all already know where to go for more uh, podcast episodes. And if y'all don't, y'all can follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public, and Podbean. 
Now, uh, I, listen, I'm going to get used to it. I have to sh- definitely start shouting out Podbean because I did not know, like I said in my last episode, that that was a new pl- another platform that my podcast was on. So shout out to them. Big shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. And last but not least, shout out to the two, the reviewers, the listeners, the lovers, the supporters out there, man. Got to cut it short because shit to do. You dig? So... You know, and if y'all ain't doing shit later on tonight, please watch The Outsiders, man. I guarantee you, man. It's whether it's a slow burn or not, it's an overall great film, man. But y'all already know, man. The love and support y'all show me. I show it back to y'all tenfold and then some, man. Every time. So with that being said, people, yours truly, Romero Tudor. Another episode of Tudor Reviews in the can. I'll check y'all on the next one.